0: Joy is just really, really important. And it's important for our kids. It's important for our students in our room. And and ultimately, that's what they remember, y'all. They literally don't care about the lesson plan that you spent 45 minutes writing or the uh, stations that you spent the whole weekend thinking about and which station is going to and how the movement's going to. They literally will not remember that 20 years from now, I guarantee. But they will totally remember how they felt in your classroom, whether that was joyful or stressed or whatever. So, I'd rather my kids feel joy.
1: We are Megan and Alyssa, former teachers and founders of Pop PD, a peer learning platform for K 12 educators. On the Extracurricular Podcast, we're interviewing the most passionate, forward thinking educators
2: to uncover tangible strategies you can use in your classroom right away.
1: I recently read a quote that I think speaks directly to the heart of what we get at in this podcast episode, which is definitely one of my favorites. The quote is, those who work in a playful, relaxed manner tend to work efficiently and creatively. Those who work nonstop, driven only by stress, work without joy. This entire episode is about joy. Annabelle is a Spanish teacher. She teaches currently. And after we recorded this episode, Megan and I both text each other uh, to say that was so good. If you're a teacher who's looking to bring joy back into the classroom for both yourself and your students, you must listen to this episode with Annabelle. She drops strategy after strategy in this episode with tangible ways to bring that spark back through fun, laughter, relationships, and even movement. It's our longest episode we've recorded, but we could have listened to Annabelle for another hour. Mm -hmm. Sit back and enjoy a bit of energy from this episode, and be sure to spread that joy by sharing with a teacher friend. Both the Extracurricular Podcast and That Teacher Podcast are brought to you by the team at Pop PD. Our mission is to empower teachers to connect with one another around sharing teaching strategies, tips, tricks, and ideas you actually want, creating a learning experience as dynamic as you are. We know you need access to ongoing, relevant resources to support your teaching career, and it's our mission to help you feel fully supported as a modern educator. Check out our platform now at poppd.co to sign up for your free interactive workspace where you can access ideas and strategies for teaching, organize your favorite teaching ideas, and add your own notes and to-dos to keep everything in one easy-to-access spot. We have new challenges every month to help inspire you on topics like podcasting with your students and using ChatGPT to make communicating with families easier. If you're a school leader or instructional coach in charge of PD, you'll love our platform for curating your own PD library from our content or easily adding your own content to share with your teachers. And of course, we have a community space where you can come together with other teachers around the world to get advice, to laugh, to cry, to vent, whatever you need. It's off of Facebook. It's our little corner of the internet where we can be ourselves. Just click the community button on poppd.co and we'll see you there. Welcome to the Extracurricular Podcast. I'm really, really pumped to have Annabelle here, who is like one of my favorite people on the whole earth. She is known as La Maestra. Loka, did I say that right?
0: You killed it. You're awesome. I'm so proud of you.
1: If you don't know her already, well, you do now. And you're going to be so grateful after you hear this episode that you met her. I can't wait to hear all she has to share in this episode about joy, movement, and building relationships with your kiddos. So we'll dive right in. Welcome. Hello. We want to ask you all the things. Let's start with how did you get into education?
0: Great question. Hi, everybody. I'm so, first of all, oh my God, I can't even that I'm here. I just want to pee a little bit, but I won't. I'll hold it in (laughs) until our break. But I'm so excited and I'm so honored that you asked me and I adore you both and you both mean so much to me and thank you. Okay. So now I'm going to tell you how I got into education. I really wasn't sure what I wanted to do in my life. And then I moved to Spain when I was 17, moved home um, after six months. Saw my third and fourth grade teacher in a store who I hadn't connected with in a million years. And uh, she was literally my most impactful teacher. You know, everybody can think of that one teacher who made an impact in their life. And I just couldn't believe it when she walked in the door and her kids were bilingual. And I was telling her, like, I don't know what I'm going to do in my life. And she said, you'll figure it out, whatever comes to you. And I said, I'm only good at Spanish. And she said, we'll do something related to Spanish then. and we. Exchange numbers and emails. And then um, that weekend, she went home and she was brutally murdered by her husband. Um, and uh, it was incredibly traumatizing. And for our whole community, because we grew up in this itty bitty town and she had moved to the big city. And now we heard about this tragedy and leaving two kiddos behind. Um, and it was then that I was like, I'm going to be a teacher. I'm going to be a teacher just like. Miss Michelle, and I'm going to find even one person in my career to impact. And that's what made me think, okay, what am I good at? And she said, we'll do something related to Spanish. So I said, okay, I'm going to be a Spanish teacher. That's what I'm going to do. And that's what I've been doing kind of ever since. And um, I believe teachers are dominoes and we never know who we might impact. Even if it's one person, that impact can be pretty great in the long run. Oh my. Sorry God. to start with something heavy. Sorry. No,
1: <laughs> but story. that's my yeah.
0: that's my story. Yeah, teachers are powerful.
1: Yeah. I love the idea of a domino too. Like you don't ever know the impact you're having. You may never know. But think no. about how that one domino for you just really changed everything.
0: Yeah, there's um, something that I love to do in workshops with teachers. Like if I get a full day of workshops with them, one of my favorite things to leave them with is that story. Obviously, I do a little bit longer version, but I know we're limited in time. So, But I share my Miss Michaud story, and I give everybody a domino, and I encourage them to keep it in a drawer. I can, I'm right on my desk glued to a picture so I can see it, and I can remember on the really hard days that – You know, my impact is profound, even if I don't feel like it in this moment. And even on my hardest days where I definitely don't feel like I'm a great teacher, my impact is still ultimately really profound because I don't know, like, even if I affect one child in my whole career, who they go on to impact because of something that I did for them and then them and then them, like, it could go on. What a legacy to leave. We're so fortunate to do the work that we do, you know?
2: That's a beautiful way of thinking about it. And I think too that, you know, that chance encounter and the power of a small moment. So as you mm-hmm. said, even if you just impact one child, but then it's also, you think about what one small moment you might have with someone, a ch- a, a student, uh, yeah, well, even a parent, <laughs> a, a teacher you work with, right? Like all those small moments, that's the domino effect as well.
0: Mm-hmm, exactly. And and those small moments is can be all it takes. It doesn't have to be like, you change this person's life. It could be a smile every day. I have this parent literally right now. So I'm a Spanish teacher. So I'm a Spanish speaker, obviously. And um, I'm at a school with quite a large Hispanic population. And I really hate that Spanish teachers are always like kind of thrown into translating by default. I really think that we need parent advocates for every family who speaks another language not just our spanish-speaking families either but anyways that's like a long journey um, that i will be fighting at every school that i work at um but there's just this family who i've translated for at the door they're a kindergarten family i don't teach their kids i've just translated and said good morning every morning she brought me like this beautiful dollar store plant for teacher appreciation with and she just cried and shared these words with me like I literally just say good morning and like translate a few times a week, a couple sentences. But she's like, you're you don't understand how important you have been for my family and for, uh, you know, for just smiling at my kids in the morning. And so you just don't know. You just don't know how profound a smile can be. And those small moments are really important for sure.
1: That moves us right into like building relationships because it can start with something so small. What are some other ways that you build relationships with kids?
0: I think that um, one of the things we know as teachers uh, that the key to classroom management is relationships. And if you didn't know that, that's okay. Now you do. Um, the key to classroom management is relationships and building them with students. And um, sometimes, especially when if we're a new teacher, it can feel really overwhelming. <laughs> um, as a co-curricular teacher or an extracurricular teacher, I literally see, you know, between 150 and 380 students a year. Um, Some elementary Spanish teachers see 900 students a year, right? It can feel overwhelming and daunting. Like, I can barely learn names. Like, how am I supposed to, like, build relationships with them? And I think the key is starting with the keepers of the culture, in the classroom. And I say keepers of the culture, you want to think about the students who have really big personalities. And sometimes you use the words big personalities because you're not, you're (laughs) trying not to use other words that you'd like to use because you're so frustrated. They're the, the people that decide and dictate how your class goes, right? So if they're having a great day and they decide they like you today, your class is going to go perfectly because they're a keeper of the culture and the class is really following their leadership, right? But if they're having a bad day, heaven forbid, oh my gosh, you you know, brace yourself. And you're already almost expecting the inevitable challenge of running this class, right? You start with them. And what I always tell people is if you can just pick two kids per week, and not two kids per class per week, two total kids per week and focus on really building a relationship with them, figuring out, having a conversation with them, like during a passing period, if you're a high school teacher or like passing by, if you're a person who has to do bus duty in the afternoon, you're in middle school, it's like finding micro moments to check in with them and be like, oh my God, sweet shoes. I love those. Where'd you get them? Tiny little moments to throw a compliment at them. Or engage them in a quick question about maybe what music they like or what shows they're watching right now, anything like that. Because if we can find a window in and then find a way to engage them through that window, we're so much more likely to build that relationship because it doesn't come fast it comes really slowly especially with those keepers of the culture but once you find that window in they're far more likely to engage even on their harder days with you because you've made that effort right and it, you might not even think that you've made you've made it yet and then all of a sudden you're going to see them turn around in your classroom and you're like, oh, dang. I had a kid once when I was a teaching high school, which high school teachers right now, if you're a high school teacher and you're not driving because if you're driving, don't do this. I just want you to put one hand out and now put your other hand out and now touch your um, left shoulder with your right hand and touch your Uh, right shoulder with your left hand and just squeeze really tightly and give yourself a giant hug because, oh my God, I love you so much. I don't know how you do what you do. You're just such a champion. I love you. I wouldn't go back to doing it myself. But I remember one time um, when I was teaching in high school, this junior in October, it was October. And I was like, it was pulling teeth to get these kids to do anything. And I was like, okay, we're going to do a brain break. Everybody stand up. That's going to be great. And this kid that I had been trying to like, desperately to build a relationship with um (laughs) nobody was standing nobody was standing I was like it's gonna be great it's gonna be fun and let's do it and it's gonna be great and he finally was like ah the hell with it he said get up sorry I just cursed in your podcast he goes just get up she's not gonna stop until we do it and literally more than 80 percent of the class stood up with this kid and started doing this thing and then they started smiling and actually enjoying it. And then Maestra's like turning around, trying not to bawl her eyes out, like, oh, my God, it's working and there's community happening. And oh, my gosh, they're feeling, they're feeling the joy. And then I'm like, okay, sit down. But it does, it matters so much because they are the hardest kids to build relationships with. And it does take the most time. But the other relationships will come easier. And it will feel more natural. So if you can focus on two really challenging ones per week to really focus on like, what can I do to connect with this student? What have I done to build this relationship? Another great piece is positive phone calls home. I talk a lot about this on my Instagram and in my podcast, because I I think that we are so used to calling when we need help. And if we think about like that idea of being proactive versus reactive, right? If I see a kid who typically struggles has a really good day at the beginning of the year in like September or whatever, first thing I do is write that kid's name on a sticky note and I make a call. Now, a lot of people are like, yeah, but can I just, you know, write a quick email? No, I'm telling you, make a call. Here's why. It can take 30 seconds if you want it to. And positive phone calls home are never more than 90 seconds long. And the 90 second long ones are because I want to make it longer, right? So I'm calling real quick and I say, hey, I'm just on my way to bus duty or, hey, I'm just, you know, I'm about to pick up another class, but I wanted to let you know real quick. So you can say something to preemptively let them know that you're in a hurry. And you say, I just wanted to let you know, that Taj had a really successful class today. He was taking risks. He was speaking in Spanish. He was up and moving and engaging with like tons of people that he's not necessarily best friends with. And I was just super happy to see it and really happy to see his joy and his engagement. Most of the time, you're going to get silence on the other end at first because (laughs) the parents are like, either they've never got a positive phone call in their lives for their child, which is heart-wrenching to hear when you're calling high school students right Mm -hmm. or they've only ever received negative calls and so hearing something positive i at least half the time parents cry uh, the other half, they're just like, I just cannot tell you. you. I've had the hardest day or I've had the hardest week, and this is the best news. I can't wait to celebrate with them tonight. Thank you so much for taking the time. And then they're eager to get off. Nobody has time to chat on the phone. We're all busy people. But making the call, I swear to you. And then I got a, a, a lady in Michigan. I just went to a conference. She said, oh, my God, I tried that. And it has transformed my teaching and my weeks by far. And she said, but the one shift I made from what you taught me is I always do it on Friday afternoon. So the last thing I do in my week is I make those calls. I just choose three a week. And it's literally if I've had the worst week or the worst day, it ends on such a high note that I'm like, I'm going to my weekend and you feel so good. And you've just made this family's night. And it's huge for building relationships. Okay, I'll shut up now. Sorry. Next question. <laughs> well, no, just sorry. keep
1: talking. We don't want to talk. You keep going.
2: We <laughs> told all the high school teachers to pull over and give themselves a hug. I hope everyone, if you're in the car, has pulled over and has just taken notes because yeah. the, the layers and the strategies. What I what I like about what you just explained, which thank you for giving us like kind of two different pieces there, is like super concrete, like really tangible things that people can do. And also, as you said, like things are hard. Teachers have a lot going on. So these are like small things you can start to incorporate. And then you like, you're probably going to get hooked on the high of those positive calls, right? And then you want to do more of them. But it just, it's like, what who could you call tomorrow's Friday afternoon? Who could you call t- tomorrow afternoon? You know, like yeah. really making that commitment. And I think that's cool. That tweet the the Michigan teacher said, because then it's a routine, right? Then you're actually building it into that practice. And it's kind of embedded into before I leave the building or even like, you know, what whatever, however you structure that. And then it's, it's regular, it's happening. And
0: it's just part of your practice. I love that. And, and if you have like a sticky note, I have a sticky note where I, it's just one color, it's purple. And I just write the kids and I'm not an organized person. I'm literally the most unorganized person in my life. I've never met somebody as unorganized as me, but I have purple sticky notes. I write the kid's name. I write one word to remind me of what the thing I want to like praise them for. And then Th- that's all, and then I can walk out with that sticky note and call on my way home or on my way to pick up my kids too, because I just have all their numbers. It's I mean it takes me a good two hours at the beginning of the year to plug them all in, but I have them all in my phone, and I can just call on my uh, three kids on my way to pick up my kids. You know, now if you're calling from your personal phone, I recommend using either Google Voice or um, the old Star six seven trick because I don't God, like that works yeah it does still work it totally works i don't like having parents um have my phone number the other trick is if you have and i'm sure androids have this but boo android um i'm an iphone person Watch, uh, if you it. Go, <laughs> watch I, it. i know i knew that one of you would be my husband is my husband's such an android person and i'm like Dude, can you just switch already? I want the blue bubbles. Can we just be friends? Anyways. You, uh,
2: on your blue bubbles. Get over it.
0: freaking <laughs> <laughs> like technology, oh, man. For real, oh. though. All oh, right. man. What's Anywho, the iPhone hacks.
2: Tell us all. There's, Most people no, have iPhones. Probably, probably.
0: That's what I said is, girl, you've probably got it, Megan. Just check your little Android and <laughs> let us know. Um, if you go into your settings, you can um, – make sure that your caller ID doesn't come up so that it doesn't show your phone number. Um, I just, it's not that I, I just want to still have privacy. I want to still have privacy and they know how to reach me. And I also leave my, my email and it just feels better to me to be able to make a quick call and not have a direct line. And it just, it's another healthy boundary to keep. I, that's just a personal thing. I have, I have, a lot to say around boundaries and for teachers, because I always say it's better to give 70% for 20 years than 100% for three. I learned that from my friend, Mark Mullaney. And I just think that that's, it goes back to like setting boundaries for ourselves and not giving our phone number to everybody is part of that. Also on phone calls, the last thing I want to say about it, please make sure to call the kids who are always doing the right thing as well. Don't only call them but make sure that you call the kids who are, you know, just coasting by and very average, but always listen, always do the right thing, because their families have never received a call, good or bad. And um, it's pretty impactful to to have that touch point with a parent. And then the, the child themselves, and they come in the next day, they're just beaming ear to ear, like you, you can't take the smile off their face. Some of them don't ever mention it, but you can just see that they're grateful. Um, yeah. Oh, I have another one. That's concrete. Sorry. Keep going going, on a keep roll.
2: We're just nodding. We're nodding. Yes. <laughs> okay, all of it. Get okay. Inject it injected into our veins. <laughs>
0: um, one thing, if you teach middle through high, one thing that can be really impactful and important is I do a, a survey at the beginning of every year. And you can do this if you change at semester, like if you get new kids at the semester, you could do a new one at the semester. But I do a survey to learn kids' names kids' pronouns. And I specifically ask for the pronouns, like, what do you use these pronouns at school? Do you use them at home as well? Um, Like, who can I use these with? And then another question on there is how do you like to receive praise? And they're allowed to check as many of those boxes as they want. And one of the boxes is a positive phone call home. Because there will be there have been kids before especially when i taught middle school who do not want a positive phone call home so that is there's possibility that they'd rather you not be in contact with their family even if it is for something good so oftentimes in their lives there is a person because that's another question on the survey like who is your person because the person is not always a parent right the person could be a coach the person could be uh, a neighbor It could be an auntie. So, you know, maybe they want a positive phone call to their person, um, but not necessarily a parent. So that's just another note.
2: I, I love that. And I think what's really cool about just so many of the little pieces you described about that survey is how much you're kind of honoring them as an individual as someone to be respected, like if you, again, we're talking about building relationships, right? Like if you want that respect from them, you're giving them that thought. And I mean, all those questions, I used to do a survey, nothing near all that, all that level of nuance that you just listed there. So that's so cool because you're giving them these options. You're treating them as adults. I mean, most of us aren't treated, right? Like what is my family going to ask me how I like to be praised, you know? like, But that is so cool because you're just, you're showing them from that first second that you give them that survey, that you're going to pay attention to that, and then that's a quick reference for you too to keep all that stuff straight and and to know that person doesn't want to call, but here's something else that I can do. So that's really that's a really neat, a neat yeah. Way to surveys
0: work. are powerful. You can use them at the end of the year too. I know that I'm wrapping up my year now and I'm getting ready to do my end of year survey, and I have a free version of this if you want to um, grab it. But basically, it's like framing getting feedback from them on their year and framing it in a way that it's going to be positive <laughs> because we don't like, I know you're laughing at me right now, but we, it. we go through enough. We don't need to hear what they hate. We already know what they hate. I don't need to hear it again. Thank you very much. <laughs> like <laughs> yes. absolutely not. Yes. You can keep it. Like I hear enough all year about what you don't like to do in the classroom, but um, it's more like, what, what did you really enjoy? What did, what did you feel really great at? In class? What lit you up this year? What do you really wish we could do more of? What would you tell a new student about my classroom and um, what they can expect? That one sometimes they could still write something. I don't know. But one of my favorite questions to ask is Does your teacher enjoy what they do? And yes or no? And then the next question is How do you know? Because I really want to know because as soon as i start getting kids lots of kids saying no that might be my sign that i'm ready to move on to things outside of the classroom right because i really want to feel joyful in my classroom more than not joyful and i have really hard brutal days i've had a really hard two weeks in fact but i'm still finding moments of joy with my students more than more often than not and i really like that feedback from kids. I like to see what they notice about me and my profession because I also want that for them when they grow up and do whatever they do. Like, I want them to think about like, do you enjoy what you do? And you should, cause you should, <laughs> you should find something that brings you joy. So yeah.
1: I love that. There's no guilt attached to that. It's like, you know, if this isn't bringing me joy, this, this part of my career, and it could be, too, that you need, like, in, in the lower levels, you need a, a grade level shift, or mm-hmm. you need, like, a to, to look for a different opportunity, or you need to learn. You want to learn something new. You want to work on something, a project, um, but there's a sign that, that something's up, and you're not in that joyful state.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's a powerful tool.
1: Talk to us more about joy. Just joy for kids, joy for teachers. Talk to us. Uh,
0: I- uh, there are people who, when they meet me, because I, I look obnoxious all the time, I wear big 1950s dresses that are always colorful and big petticoats and obnoxious earrings and flowers in my hair. And when they hear me speak, um, they think, oh, this is so fake. Like, okay, like, okay, this, there's no way that this is real. Um, But then if you sit down with me or you get to know me after a few weeks, I had people at my new job say, oh, my God, I thought you were so fake when you first came. Like they tell people tell me afterwards. But then when you get to know me that you realize like, oh, no, that's she's literally just joyful. And it's not that I'm positively what's it called? toxic positivity.
1: Yeah.
0: There's a difference. <laughs> There's a difference between toxic positivity and what I am seeking for teachers and for everyone in the world. I choose to find joy each day, and I do through do so through gratitude and through finding those micro moments of joy, like when you look at a toddler. My son is 4, and he finds magic in the floor of the airport, right? Literally the sparkles on the airport floor and finds such tremendous, genuine joy in staring at that. And I just want that for us as adults, as we, we, life is too short. Life is too short to not find micro moments of joy that light us up and i'll tell you i i've like i said i've had a really hard two weeks in fact i emailed my email list that i was supposed to email every day for teacher appreciation i sent them an email and i just said hey life is throwing me buckets of lemons and they're really hard i can't even cut into them and they're so sour and i'm really struggling making lemonade right now and i love you but i you're not hearing from me because everything is blowing up in my face right now however I'm still putting on my dress with affirmations on it because I need to read the affirmations. I'm still finding the earrings to match. And I'm still asking my son or the kids in my classroom, like, what brought you joy today? To seek out micro moments of joy for myself because if, if I don't have that on the hardest days, I'll crumble. So I'd much rather find Those moments that I can latch onto and have those help me through everything else that I'm having to just deal with and find a way through. And I think what it's ultimately modeling, not just for kids, but the people around me in my life, is you can be authentically you, even if people are going to think you're fake or not great or whatever and go through really really hard times and still find the happy you know because we're just all you just don't have any idea what people are going through and we we never know and then if we can just you know share a smile and impact somebody's day in a positive way or share the fact that memphis found a worm that looked like it had a double head and he thought it looked so, so silly, like the silliest thing ever and make people laugh, then yay, you know. Um, Yeah. Joy is just really, really important. And it's important for our kids. It's important for our students in our room. And, and ultimately that's what they remember y'all. They literally don't care about the lesson plan that you spent 45 minutes writing, or the uh, stations that you spent the whole weekend thinking about and which station is going to and how the movement's going to. They literally will not remember that 20 years from now, I guarantee, but they will totally remember how they felt in your classroom, whether that was joyful or stressed or whatever. So I'd rather my kids feel joy.
1: It takes so much pressure off of you as a teacher Mm
0: -hmm. to
1: simplify like that. (laughs) If they just walk away with joy every day, I've done my job. If they had one moment of joy today, I've done my job. If I had one moment of joy today, I've done my
0: job. If I've had, and that's key too, because what happens is you feed off of each other, right? Mm -hmm. Because even on the days, because there are days that like my lesson plans, like I'm like, oh God, I was terrible today. Like what, what, what is going on? But if we laughed during a brain break, or like, like just you know, did a dancing brain break, and it was a hot mess, or whatever. Just told jokes. I don't know if we found those micro moments of joy. That's what I'm hanging on to, and I guarantee that's what they're going home talking about.
1: What about for the new teachers who are drowning, and and it's not just new teachers drowning. But um what would you go back and tell yourself as a new teacher? with all of the things a new teacher has to think about and deal with and manage and is having trouble finding joy. Or I guess just what would you say to any teacher who's having trouble finding that joy or is feeling like they're drowning?
0: That's how you can tell you were a teacher for so long that you switched from saying new teacher to any teacher because, oh, <laughs> just all of us right now, let's yeah. just be real. But especially that the first through third year group. One for first to third year teachers, it doesn't feel like it, but it's going to get better. And you're also going to be like, how on earth does it get better? Um, But it will. Remember that 70% for 20 years is better than 100% for three. And remember that the things that you think that matter, like Grading the extra stack of papers or resetting your room. Also, don't ever reset your room. Your children should do everything for you. You should lift no fingers. Like, everything can be done as a class job. So, there's that. But none of that matters in 20 years. Like, the papers that you really think need grading, no, that doesn't matter in 20 years. What does matter is that you're still around in 20 years, like alive and breathing. So, Leaving as close to contract time as possible, taking time for yourself to write uh, notes of gratitude. I love writing notes of gratitude one one per week to somebody in my building, spreading joy to them, giving joy to me. Taking the time to walk outside during a plan period at least once a week, and like literally not do anything except for be outside. And you don't have to be around kids either, like leave your building and walk outside. I'm talking about like, bye-bye, whatever, even if it feels like, oh, but I just don't have time. No, you do have time. You are in charge of how you choose to spend your time. And what matters in 20 years, just think about that. Every time you go to like panic, do something, will this matter in 20 years? When I'm like, oh, but I didn't write that thing and I should really handle this. And my kids are in front of me, my personal children, will that email matter in 20 years? No, it won't. I'm gonna sit here and I'm gonna build this magnetile castle and we're gonna crush it right now, because that these kids are what's gonna matter in twenty years. So it's just it's just reframing your mindset. And it takes time too. It's not overnight. So give yourself grace and know that if if you're if you're still like, yeah, but how? take a breather. It, it's going to take time, but that's what I would say. What's going to matter in 20 years? That's what's most important.
1: Wow. I have core memories of my mom who was an English teacher, high school English teacher. So was Megan's mom, by the way, um, which is a weird fact. Um, but I have core memories of her being sound asleep on the couch when I got home from school because she was exhausted and then nights and weekends having papers spread out all over the living room because she was grading and i know that's not how she would would want me to remember my childhood and i'm sorry that she didn't know or have the resources to set those boundaries because it is always that question will this matter in 20 years what will matter in 20 years
0: and i honestly i think that it it's one of the it's something that i'm still practicing i'm not perfect at setting boundaries i'm not perfect at like saying no. I'm a very much a yes person. If any of you um, are Enneagram people, are either of you Enneagram people? Oh yeah. Okay. Yes. So what are you? Let go. Wait,
1: let me guess. Let me guess. Let me guess. Okay, I guess. Uh, seven.
0: Oh, that's what everybody guesses me. I am not a seven. Oh, everybody yeah. guesses me as a seven. I'm a three. 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 Hardcore. Yeah. Hardcore three. Okay. Hard three. Hard three. I'm a three wing two. Um. What are y'all? Five. Will you give
2: it? Will you give a little description for those of I? Yes. I know mine. I don't necessarily okay. know what okay. all of them mean. So give us the quick, Brilliant. quick. What's the one so, little nugget about threes?
0: The one little nugget about th- one little nugget about the Enneagram is it's basically like one of those personality tests. But yes. if you don't like personality tests, still do this one because it gives you the um, emotional reasoning to everything that you do or everything the people around you do. The why behind why they do what they do. So like a three, I am motivated by, I am a yes person because I'm a people pleaser, people please, people please. And I really like feeling successful and I really like, um, people praising that and seeing that about me. And I hate when people don't like me. Like it's really, really hard for me to accept, um, when people don't like me, basically that's the nugget about threes. So what, wait, wait, you said you're a five, Eliza?
1: I'm a five curious learner uh, investigator questioner. Yeah. Megan, what are you? Wait, Megan, wait, you gotta be a two. Nope. One. Oh, how did I not know a one? You're definitely a one.
2: And it, and the, the best description of it, I don't even need to do anything else, but we had to be one. The kind of person who has to be first is a one.
0: And that's all I need to say about it. Yeah. So I love, I'm obsessed with the Enneagram. And um, for that reason, it's hard for me to turn down jobs. It's hard for me to be no person at work. I'm the yes person at work. It is, boundaries are insanely hard for threes. And I'm a work in progress, even me. But what you just said, Alyssa, is it like I And seeing that, like, I'm a full time teacher and I have a full time side business. I don't want my children to learn that from me. And not just my kids, the kids in my classroom. Mm -hmm. I don't want them to learn like work life balance should look like work, 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 work balance, little bit of life. Like, I don't want that for a single student in my classroom. I don't want it for my own children. So it's really about like, Changing, shifting your mindset, like what matters in twenty years, and how can I preserve myself so that I'm in it for the long run? Whether it's in the classroom or just in life, in for the long run, you know. So I'm learning things. I literally started a morning routine for the first time in my life four weeks ago. I'm drinking wine only on the weekends as of four weeks ago, and I've been drinking at least a half a bottle a night for the last five years. Like, I'm learning things all the time and improving myself. And I didn't think that I would ever be able to have a morning routine or drop my wine. Ever. Ever. But I want to do better. And I'm learning. And and I think that that's a powerful thing that I can show my kids, you know?
1: Do you know what, like, with your morning routine and dropping the wine, was there something that, like, pushed you over the edge or, like, pushed you toward – actually doing it because I feel like there's a lot of talk you know teacher self-care talk um, a lot of talk about yes I should set boundaries yes I should think about myself yes I should do a morning routine and this is for me too I hear all the things I know I should do it but like how do I make myself actually do it what does this actually mean so how do we get ourselves
0: there it's twofold. The first is I I did a time management course and I literally only made it through four modules and that's all I needed, but I'm gonna finish it. But that's kind of how I do courses anyways. I'm like, Ugh. except for yours, yours was the first course I ever saw through the whole way through. Wow. Um, very high praise um but the the second or third module was to keep a time journal for a whole week every minute of your time it was one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life by the way not just like mentally challenged it wasn't mentally challenging while I was doing it It was just like oh my god this is so much work every minute of your time for a whole week to see exactly how you spend your time And I saw, it's going to make me a little emotional because it always does, that I was spending seven more times on social media than I was with my children, which is, like, alarming. Like, what? Between, like, posting, engaging, creating, or scrolling, like, those death scrolls, those mindless, like, black hole scrolls, I was spending seven more time on social than intentional playtime with my kids whoa and I don't think any of us who are entrepreneurs realize how much time we're spending so that was one and that just shifted how I use social and my phone period <laughs> mm-hmm. and then the second thing was I started listening to a really wonderful podcast. Um, by Alexa, Alexis Alexis Um, I don't want to butcher her last name. Uh, it's the XOXO Your Tough love, love Coach podcast, and um, she started speaking about all of her challenges with ADHD, and I was like, "Holy crap!" So much of what Alyssa, because Alyssa is my my number one coach. I love. I owe everything to Alyssa. Oh. Um, and my family does all the time. I, I she, she's in my gratitudes at least once a week for just my growth. And, um, so I love her very much. Um, but some of the things that she's taught me have felt so hard and have taken me a hundred times longer than it takes anybody else. And I've like felt so broken and beat myself up about it, but never wanted to tell Alyssa because the strategies are working for me. They're just taking me so much longer than other people, but I'm I was realizing, like, maybe I have ADHD, and then I started talking to my friends and family, and everybody was like, "Yeah, duh," and I was like, "Well, no, not yeah, duh. Like, this is this is big," and so I went to a doctor to get diagnosed, and he, within minutes of meeting me, said, "I I have a strong feeling you might be um, hyper on the hyperactive level." <laughs> he said, "You haven't stopped talking," <laughs> so, um, but he said he wouldn't treat me until I started getting eight hours of sleep a night. And um, not took out the wine altogether, but tried to, like, lessen how much I was drinking wine during the week. And I was, like, eight hours a night? Are you freaking kidding me? I'm getting, like, mate on a good night five. Like, Mm -hmm. forget it. No shot. But he's, like, I just need you to try. And holy cow. Like, I had no idea how transformative sleep would be for me and how important and then i coupled it with a new morning routine and i it's like the only alone time i have as a mom to be clear it's the only alone time i had as a teacher to be clear and i am so not a morning person i am the polar opposite like i am high functioning at one in the morning like i can write through three blocks like get but holy cow Alyssa! if you haven't tried like girl We can email about it later, but morning routine, I'm telling you, it is changing my freaking life. And also just like, I've always been very high strung and hyperactive and like, I'm like so much more chill and things that are all, have always irritated me, like really got at me. I'm so much more capable to like, just let it roll off and, um, it's helping me set boundaries. It's, it's really transforming my life. And and I think that morning routines can help any, any teacher, any, anybody, anybody, for sure.
1: We went in a different direction, but we have to know what your what's on your morning routine.
0: Okay. 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 So, uh, I start with, I wake up and I go, I, what time do you wake up? Uh okay. So I am waking up. I used to wake up exactly ten minutes before I did leave and I had my outfit laid out, including earrings, so that I could literally ten minutes and out the door. And now I'm getting up an hour and ten minutes before I have to leave. Mm. So I my alarm is going off at no, it's more than that. My alarm is going off at five fifteen and I have to be out the door at six forty. So five fifteen it goes off. Um and I've changed my alarm. I use the app Better Sleep and so it's like these slowly chirping birds and this lovely music that kind of like wafts into the room and like what a pleasant way. It's a vibe because I'm a snoozer, a habitual like snooze ten times kind of person at least on the five alarms that I have right? But no snoozing because I learned from Alexis that snoozing is literally damaging your brain because it's making your brain think that you're going back into a full cycle of sleep. And then it's waking up five minutes later and then full cycle sleep. And so it's actually making you more tired to snooze, which was super right. So then I get up and I lay out my little Pilates mat, which makes me feel so grown up that I'm like going to do Pilates, which I'm definitely not an exercise person either. Like if I'm running, there's a bear chasing me, like you better run faster (laughs) kind of thing. So uh, I lay out my little Pilates mat and I do Pilates for 12 to 15 minutes with this app. And then um, I make myself like this little tea and then I go and write three gratitudes for the day prior and then i take both of my kids journals i have kids journals one for isla my stepdaughter and one for memphis and i write um one note or two notes about like something funny that they did the day prior or something that i love about them so that they'll have those when they grow up and then i pull out my planner and i look at my to-do list and i set my to-do list for the day and prioritize which i've never had time for that either and then I go and I shower and I never have morning showered. I'm always a night showerer. I morning shower and I get dressed and I look so freaking good. I look so good and I feel so good. And I'm like, I am freaking superwoman. And then I wake up my kids and I get them ready because my husband's been able to go to the gym now. And he's happier and I'm happier and we're all happier. And I basically feel like a queen every day. So wow. yeah, that's oh my it.
1: God. Oh my God. <laughs> Mike dropped the whole episode like this was so good. I don't even want to stop. I we're going to have to have you on again because we didn't even get movement and so much more to say. But I know we have to get to our lightning round questions. We have a whole other episode to record on that teacher. So I will we'll go into our lightning round begrudgingly. But that was amazing. You are amazing. All right, Megan, kick us off
0: with the lightning round.
2: All right, lightning round. What is your go to activity or lesson plan when you need to like fill some extra time in the classroom?
0: Uh, any single brain break on the his, in, in the world. Um, I have 200 different brain breaks to share with you. Just kidding. I'm going to choose one. You do Hachi Pachi. Uh, I have a blog on it. You search Hachi Pachi La Maestra Loca. Everybody gets in a circle. You send one kid out of the room. That's the detective. The detective cannot see inside the room. You choose one child in the circle. If you have desks, go ahead and form a circle around the desk. One child to lead movement. They might be patting their shoulders and then patting their cheeks and then patting their head and then patting their lap, patting their elbows, whatever. And they have to change the movement periodically. You invite the new kid in, the kid stands in the center of the circle and tries to identify who Hachi Pachi is. Every single person is doing the motion that Hachi Pachi is, but nobody can look directly at Hachi Pachi. Everybody's looking around the circle because as soon as Hachi Pachi changes the movement, inevitably everybody else will. And so their goal is to find this Hachi Pachi person by like saying, are you Hachi Pachi? And, or saying, what's your name? And Alyssa would say, Alyssa, what's your name? And the next person might say Annabelle. And then they'll point at Megan. Are you Hachi Pachi? What's your name? And you might say Hachi Pachi. And then boom, they've found Hachi Pachi. And it fills five minutes and it's super joyful Obviously, anytime you end early, that's the benefit of having like a million brain breaks in your sleeve. I,
2: I love it. That's just yeah. so amazing. Uh, Hachipachi, everybody. All right. Uh, next one uh, funniest thing that's happened to you in the classroom? I bet you have a lot of these funny moments. Oh my God. What's I, the, I mean, maybe just a recent one. What's just like a funny thing?
0: Uh, I, I use a lot of stuffies in my classroom, like stuffed unicorns and all sorts. And um, I people are like, oh, you're such a cute elementary teacher. And I'm like, yeah, but I got them from teaching high school when I literally couldn't motivate them to do anything. And I had to find ways to manipulate them into doing things for me. And one of those was Carlos. Carlos is a crocodile and he eats paper in my room. And so anytime we have to story a sequence or put questions in order or do anything like that, It's Carlos's fault because he ate the paper. I'm sorry, y'all. Like, I don't know what to do. Like, you have to fix it. Carlos ate it. And my high schoolers used to get so annoyed because they were like, oh, dang it, Carlos. Like, why do you do this to us? And so they used to hide Carlos in random locations because they knew if Carlos was gone, I had nothing to blame the activity on. So I wouldn't do sequencing activities. So they'd like, impale him on a unicorn horn high in the air or like hide him in the microwave for two weeks or random things like that but i i those are the reasons i miss middle school and high schoolers but yeah yeah carlos all my all my unicorns and and fun creatures, I guess.
2: I love that. And then you already gave us a game. So I'm going to just shift the last lightning round question and just say, where do you go as my dogs bark in the background? um, Where do you go for inspiration? If you're looking for new ideas or resources on your own um, for the classroom, like where do you get your inspo from?
0: Definitely Instagram. Instagram. I love scrolling, and again, remember, with limits. I love scrolling Instagram um, for ideas. I have a teacher Instagram and a personal Instagram so that I can keep my personal life separate, obviously. My teacher Instagram follows all sorts of teacher accounts. But I actually go to my personal one and I just scroll and then I'll find an idea like a game. Um, I found these people called the Seven Deadly Cheeses on Instagram and most of their music is wildly inappropriate. So you have to really monitor that. But I get a lot of my brain break ideas from them. And then how much cooler are you when you, it's immediate buy-in for middle schoolers and high schoolers, even elementary when you're like, oh, I found this video on TikTok. I found this video on Instagram. We're going to try this brain break. You aren't cool. No matter what you do, you will never be cool to your middle schoolers or high schoolers. I'm sorry. Like, you're not. You're just not that teacher. You're just not that teacher to them, okay? Um, But if you say, like, I found this cool thing on TikTok, all of a sudden, all their ears Perk and that, or like, oh, I found this reel. You watch the reel, make sure it's appropriate, make sure the sound's off or whatever. And then they do the brain break. It's automatic buy in because you're not, it's not your idea, it's their idea. So that's where I get inspiration from. Love it. Oh my gosh.
1: Okay. You can't see us. My cheeks hurt from smiling and laughing during that episode. <laughs> I had to keep myself on mute so that I wasn't like obnoxiously laughing during the podcast, but. That was so good. Annabelle, where can people connect with you and just keep, um, being part of your joy?
0: I have an Instagram, La Maestra Loca. I'm everywhere as La Maestra Loca. My website is La Maestra Loca. It's L-A-M-A-E-S-T-R-A, Loca, L-O-C-A. Um, I'm, I'm everywhere as La Maestra Loca. I share the most on Instagram for sure, for sure um Tuesday tips with a maestra loca lots of just general teacher ideas I am a world language teacher but um I think the ideas that I share most of them can be applied anywhere um yeah you can join my brain break challenge you know let's do the thing let's get you more joy in your life and your kids life thanks for having me
1: oh we're gonna put all the links in the show notes I wrote down every single thing that you mentioned so those will all be in the show notes thank you you're the best and we'll, we will talk to you later adios If you had a light bulb moment during this episode, or you thought of an idea to share, join us inside our podcast community to tell us your thoughts on both the extracurricular and that teacher podcast. We have a space for you to comment and chat with one another about each episode. We believe that sharing our experiences as educators is what keeps us moving, learning and experiencing more of a sense of connection. You can join us inside the community to access all the podcast episodes and the discussion prompts. Just click on join community when you go to poppd.co.